interrupt this program to bring you an emergency bulletin. This is the commanding officer. Sector Air Defense, speaking on all commercial and military wavelengths. Attention. An unidentified flying object is over the city. Anything to you? No. Nothing up here but us. Hi, everybody, and welcome again to the IWMP podcast for your dose of nostalgia, media criticism, and misuse of parental authority. My name is Matthew Porter. I'm Ian Porter. I'm his dad. He's my son. And we have watched another movie, another Disney movie. Another movie in the Medfield Cinematic Universe. Right. This is becoming the, the Medfield Boosters podcast. We watched uh, The Computer Wore Tennis Shoes, the first of the Kurt Russell Medfield College movies from the late 60s. So after that, we had to go back and see where it all began. The first Medfield College movie, The Absent-Minded Professor. Oh, goodness. This 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 opened up another door on this whole whole I- idea we've got going. This this expanded further because many people might not know the name of this movie, but they definitely know one of its its main inventions. They know of what it created. This is the movie that introduces Flubber. Yep. Oh goodness. Now this is a movie released in 1961. So it's less than a decade before the computer wore tennis shoes. My goodness. And yet it seems like it's from a different world, doesn't it? This feels like like there's so much distance between that, those two films. I mean, my goodness. Yep. The world changed a whole lot between 1961 and 1969. Oh, my word. This is a 1961 movie, and it's set at Medfield College. And it stars Fred McMurray as Professor Brainard, a professor of physical chemistry at at, uh, uh, Medfield College, who is the titular absent-minded professor. He is so wrapped up in his work that he forgets his, literally forgets his own wedding because he's engaged to a beautiful young woman and he's missed his wedding twice now as as the movie begins and we see how he winds up missing his third attempt at a wedding and uh he's just that kind of character that stereotypical so wrapped up in his work head in the clouds stars in his eyes insert additional metaphors here uh man of of academia well we we were introduced to to him as he's teaching a class which by the way he made it on time to one of his own classes apparently i guess i I guess that seems to be more important than getting married apparently apparently but he's attempting to demonstrate something and he breaks a beaker because he's not watching it while he does his thing and he blows up the science lab that's one of the first ways we're introduced to this man I, i i'm going to introduce a suggestion which is uh, drinking games are dangerous, but the counting gags they create are excellent. So count the amount of property damage this man creates over the course of one movie. <laughs> My word. Yeah, he is a liability, isn't he? He is an insurance liability in a way I've never imagined. <laughs> oh my goodness. 
So he is the uh, the absent absent minded professor, and the reason that he misses his uh, his third scheduled wedding is that he gets wrapped up in experiments at his home lab in his garage, which explodes. Of course, it's not good science if it doesn't explode. <laughs> I smell a t-shirt. <laughs> and he creates the substance Flubber. Well, that's what he calls it eventually. It's Flubber. He, he has to think it through, and it's flying rubber. Yeah. That's, you know, that's, that's not bad. I mean, he's probably as, as good at marketing as he is at physical chemistry in that sense. Yeah. It, it's very what it says on the, on the levitating tin in that sense. And Flubber is a substance that they they do a pretty good job of giving you just enough information without getting buried in details. But it is, uh, when subjected to any kind of energy input, apparently whether that's radiological energy or kinetic energy, it releases more energy than is imparted to it. Take that, thermodynamics. Medfield College has you beat. So when you bounce it, you usually things lose a little bit of energy on every bounce. Eventually they'll stop bouncing. This one gets a little higher on every bounce. That's scary actually on a on a physics level. It is. Also, if you subject it to radiation like um, you know, gamma rays from a little bit of sample of radioactive material, which of course he has in his home garage. <laughs> I love that. That <laughs> also that that causes it to it's it like it it moves opposite from the direction in which the radiation is coming so it's essentially anti-gravity you put a little radioactive something underneath it and the whole edit it lifts itself and anything attached to it into yeah. the air so it, it's it, anti-gravity stuff as well it's anti-gravity stuff but it's anti-gravity stuff it's the anti-gravity properties that make some of the wonderful disney magic scenes of this right including the fact that he replaces the engine in a model t he was fixing with a, a container full of flubber and a really clever, they show the working mechanism here, but a, a, a mechanism of, uh, of ways to move in a piece of radioactive material and open up a little uh, shutter on the radioactive material so he can fly his car. Now, Charlie, when we pull down the spark lever, this shutter under here opens and releases the gamma rays. And up goes the flubber and up goes the car. Now, we pull down on the gas lever and this shutter opens and the car goes forward. Now, when we press on the brake pedal... This shutter opens and the gamma rays bring the car to a stop. Or if we open the shutter a little farther, the car goes in reverse. Now, Charlie, suppose we get a little tired of just going straight ahead. So we turn the wheel to the right and we bank to the right. Turn the wheel to the left and we bank to the left. By the way, though, it's only in the engine compartment and it doesn't tip. Yeah, that's a little odd. Disney magic there, but this plays a little bit more by like Minecraft physics rules than it does real world <laughs> physics. Anything that it lifts, it all lifts straight and perpendicular to uh, the gravity direction. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're less than 10 minutes in and we're already diving into how cool this stuff is, <laughs> which is very important. Yes. My goodness, we're going to have half a thing about Flubber. I, I warn you, but this is amazingly fun stuff. And they kind of structure... In very much the same way the Model T is all lifted by this one little container of flubber in the front compartment, an entire movie about a pair of people that is very good for each other once they get going 
kind of going back and forth as to whether or not they will stay together or get together more permanently is lifted by this incredible physics device and plot device. He's engaged to a Betsy Carlisle, played by Nancy Olsen. And yeah, you kind of wonder, how did he luck out well enough to uh, to get engaged to this beautiful, smart young lady? I, I, I questioned that through the first two-thirds of the movie. Yeah? And the, the final third actually kind of answers that for me. Okay. They, the, they, at the beginning... They do make a good the, team, don't they? Yeah. At the very beginning, you are really questioning why. <laughs> and she, of course, has another suitor, somebody who is... Much more, uh, who's very interested in her. He's much more of a kind of a sharp player kind of a guy. He's a professor of like romance languages or something. Uh, He actually shows up as a guest to all of her weddings and he points out the fact that he was able to get there and her her fiance didn't. And uh, a lot of the plot is about that relationship between Professor Brainerd and uh, Betsy. And yet it, it is all driven by this, uh, this invention of his. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the other professor is not from the same school. He's not a Medfield. Oh, that's right. That's he, right. He's from, I think he's from state. Yeah. Is it state? I know that it's another bigger, m- more wealthy college. I don't know if it's state the way it is in the computer war tennis shoes, but you're right. It's, it, it, if, if it's not the same name, it's essentially the same role in the story. Mm hmm. Lore-wise, somewhere along the lines, the other college made well enough to uh, to get the to change their name because they got more funding publicly <laughs> or more recognition publicly right. and became state, you know, state state university, and yep. everyone knows them as such after the name change. If you're alumni, of course, you can send in a thing and get in uh, <laughs> get a new diploma to put up on your wall to replace it since they changed the name. But. I mean, there is the story itself is I I want to call it I don't want I don't think it would be too small, but it's a movie that has been done on its own. The I've got to go get uh, get the girl I love back to and prove to her I love her, and then the flubber scenes are a little disconnected, but they are all in service of progressing this other plot. In some ways, once he gets the invention and has it, it becomes the MacGuffin to the rest of the story. It's not the exploration of Flubber is not the tale in and of itself. No, it's it is the MacGuffin in that the the control and exploitation of Flubber drives the central plot, I would say, because it's a, it's a Disney movie. It's uh, it's got to have the the evil rich dude. As its main prote- uh, its main antagonist, mm-hmm. and that is uh, Alonzo P. Hawk, played by a uh, Keenan Wynn character actor who's all often playing that kind of character, and he is the the wealthy guy in town. His son goes to Medfield College, but he is more looking to the world of the the giant, well funded super colleges and supermarkets in this day of the. As he's putting it, you know, they have a small college in the mom and pop market that's gone. And he learns about Flubber and wants to control it because, of, of course, this is, this is insanely valuable. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Professor Brainerd realizes how valuable it is. And he wants to 
make it available to the United States and to the armed forces to uh, to make use of this for the benefit of the country. Which sets up the slowest rolling plot stone in the entire thing, which is the fact that he calls and talks with the government and gets them at least aware of the stuff. And of course, everyone in the government is saying, oh, he's just a crackpot. He, he, he says he's broken anti-gravity, but we've been working on that and we haven't been able to get anywhere. So of course he hasn't. Meanwhile, every single department is secretly sending out a person to meet up, which is actually brilliantly <laughs> fun, especially when they all arrive and wind up in the same taxi because they're all going in the same way. <laughs> I loved that scene. That That is pretty good. You've got essentially the... Um the the chiefs of staff of the the army the navy and the air force all converging on medfield to uh to learn the secret of flubber and of course by the time they get there the bad guy has stolen the model t with the flubber in it and swapped out for another model t right which has a, a like a, a squirrel in its engine compartment <laughs> rather than flubber <laughs> That was an elaborate setup to prank him although at the same time by the time that happens to him I was not against it happening. It was awkward, and I don't do well with awkward comedy, but I wasn't against it. Because, welcome to your reversible DVD cover, I would also say you could title this movie The Vengeful Spiteful Professor, because my goodness, he goes to town with Flubber just to put the other uh, professor who is moving on on, uh, his date. He, He attacks the man with his Model T at one point. This gets harsh. Oh, that's right. That's right. He's got his flying Model T, and he's like dive bombing the uh, the language professor in his uh, uh, who's driving along in his normal car. Yeah, you you can add to the property damage total not only the number of science labs he blows up, but the amount of car damage he does, and the amount of legal fees other people have to put up with due to his shenanigans. True. From 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 chasing. This guy's car in his uh, airborne Model T and and bouncing off the guy's roof, he eventually leads to the guy getting into a head-on collision with the town's cop car, Yeah, which does not, and of course, when the guy starts telling the police it's not his fault, he's being attacked by a flying Model T, um, that does not really go very well with the police either. Yeah. Also, he has very good control of this car for a for a rig he just built very good turning radius on that alternate engine fuel source <laughs> model t it is very impressive very impressive uh we also see him i believe it's actually it might be before that or was that after that that he takes over the basketball game because he realizes that you can use it on the bottom of your shoes to have super jumping abilities and he takes medfield's absolutely unable to beat the the much better trained and much more athletics um, i'm just gonna call them state team uh, he 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 secretly flubbers all of their shoes, and also he got he got he got secondary shoes for every single one of them. Yeah, that was that was impressive. I guess they each had a spare set in their in their lockers or something. But yeah, that was uh, it was it was kind of funny how they cast and shot this basketball game. The casting of these two teams, the Medfield College team, were every single one of them was was ten to twelve inches shorter than every single one of the the state basketball players. So it was a comic mismatch and the they were just getting steamrollered by the bigger team in the first half of the game. And then some wonder some Disney magic happens in with the form of Flubber and suddenly they're like leaping 
over people and performing amazing, crazy, coordinated shots and such. And that was the, it was fun to watch, but it was rather unbelievable that they, they not only, I mean, they didn't even know that this was happening, that their shoes had been augmented in this way, let alone having had any time to practice with it. And rather than having these catastrophic accidents with numerous broken limbs, which you might expect in this situation, instead, as you say, they're incredibly coordinated. They imagine they manage all these trick shots. They come from behind and have a spectacular win in this basketball game. That seems rather unlikely to go from zero to knowing how to control this this new ability uh, out of nowhere. Okay, I'm having a weird epiphany here. One thing, yes, flubber. Force applied is force returned, but it does it does it return it in the same direction? Because force applied, force returned should really be shattering skeletons. It really should, yeah. And, that, and it is it terrible. is in the same direction. It's uh it's uh parallel to the, the direction from which the force was applied. But also I'm realizing it it responds back with greater amount of whatever's put into it. Is flubber responding? To the neurological, uh, con- to the neurological state of the person interacting with it, he was able to control Flubber perfectly in his Model T and apply it and use it better than anyone else. Is that not because he's the inventor, but because he is in fact absent-minded and therefore is not applying any <laughs> psychological pressure on Flubber, which it would return in greater force? Medfield just accepting that they're jumping like this gave them control and better jumping. But the people we see, the military and the people trying to monetize it, who try to force Flubber to do what they want, usually get bitten on the butt for it. Well, did we ever see anybody else interacting with Flubber? The military never got their hands on it until the very end. We never actually see them using it. But I like the idea of you know, Flubber works best if you don't know that it shouldn't. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> it, it, it will return back greater psychological force. Interesting. I might have just blown this whole thing wide open (laughs) in a weird way. Like it explains more plot holes of this than I than I thought it would. But that right there, there's a lot of very fun Disney like work here. Uh, Just the initial scene where he throws bits of flubber around his blown up lab, and you get to see this animated little ball increasing in velocity. And they, um, he keeps breaking off pieces of the flubber that he created and tossing it. So eventually you've got like a dozen or more of these things bouncing up and down and back and forth all around the laboratory. Now, why they didn't somehow eventually kill him or his dog, I don't know, but the <laughs> flubber never actually hurts anybody apparently. But, uh, but yeah, doing that with CGI probably would have been difficult phenomenally expensive all of these rapidly moving objects in the same small space and time and um and scene Uh, and uh, yet with their animation really well done animation that's that's um and composite work that blends in seamlessly they were able to do this and uh, it looked great if people couldn't figure out how old i was before this is going to help you i was having elementary school kid picks flashbacks with the uh, the rubber ball tool in there, which would find the edge of the screen and bounce off. Yeah. And it was that same sort of effect, but done with the increasing motion. But I was just <laughs> like, oh my goodness, my childhood. In, in, the way, in a way I wasn't expecting for this movie that was not in my time. But there's something about that 
that look and that animated effect that is timeless now, and I loved it. And then all of the the people on slightly off-screen trampolines flying about, and all of the 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 projected background with the Model T cut away to small model of the Model T being brought around a model of a, a building top and then cut back to him in the driver's seat it was well done. Yeah, it was. As long as you, you, you have to have a little bit of that suspension of disbelief, not try to examine the physics of Flubber too carefully. But once you get over that very easy threshold and just go with it, it's a fun movie to watch. And it's not just, we, we've talked about individual scenes. It's not just the individual scenes that are fun to watch. It does have a story that pulls you along. Oh, yeah. Where you've got the, the bad guy who is um, he's stealing Flubber because he wants to exploit it. I don't even know if we have plans, we, we understand what his plans are, how he's going to make money from it. He just, but he's got some ability to do so. He understands its value. And then... <laughs> You throw um, a quarter at Flubber and it gives you back 30 cents. <laughs> <laughs> and then Brainerd and his fiancée Betsy find out where the car is being held and they have to go and, and get it and break it out. And we get to see how they work as a team and, and why they're so good together. And that's actually where, that that's that, that, you know, third of the movie where I'm like, oh, this is why they're a good couple. Because he is absent-minded but smart once he's given a problem. And she is remarkably well, uh, is remarkable ability to adapt to an environment. Yep. They're trapped in a place. She's just able to say, oh, we're dealing with this. And then he's able to say, well, this is a puzzle. I can solve that. <laughs> and then we're flying around and it's a, I don't know where we're going to go. Well, we're here. We need to go to here. Okay. I can get us to there. And it's like, oh, wow. She can just toggle into i'm in whatever environment he's wound up creating for us and she winds up giving him direction while he adds momentum they are a wonderful pair there is a brilliant dynamic in that and i liked that i wanted to see more of them together in that sense because they were fun like that they were yes and also she is just as absolutely crazy as he is because they both take revenge on the guy who was trying to steal Flubber in a horrifyingly interesting way. <laughs> yes, that is an interesting one. And it leads to one of the really funny comedic set pieces around the, the two-thirds uh, two mark of this movie. Because they convince... They, <laughs> they say, okay, we'll sell it to you. And they, put, they do a test demo of it by putting Flubber on the bottom of his shoes... Right, say, so, hey, this is how it worked for the best basketball team, let's have you try it. And they both proceed to prove it by, with Flubber on the bottom of their shoes, leaping out his second floor window. And they both know how to control it enough at this point to stop. But they instead let him jump, they convince a man to jump out of a window. <laughs> yeah, they, <laughs> they're saying that the... This is a bit of a stretch. I can think of more likely ways of monetizing Flubber than this, but they're saying it'll be tremendously valuable. Imagine we're, imagine we're up here on the second story of a building, and the building is on fire, and this window over uh, uh, at the second story is the only way out. If we have Flubber on our shoes, we can jump out of the window, bounce a little bit, and we'll be fine. 
I guess it's not the first thing that comes to mind when I think about monetizing Flubber, but they say, yeah, let's try it out. And they do fine. And he doesn't. And, and so that, so he follows, they, he follows them and they, um, uh, they, he, they jump out the window. And as you say, he doesn't know how to stop. So he just keeps bouncing and getting higher with every bounce. And then the, like the community in his neighborhood starts to gather around and it becomes this whole sensation, which actually takes the heat off of uh, Brainerd and Betsy to run off and fly to New York or Washington, right. D.C. It's like, but like that, that really splits the movie. But really, it's just the scene of of the the bad guy bouncing up and down, screaming for his life that is simultaneously <laughs> absolutely disney whimsy and absolutely not disney seriously creepy yeah it's one of those where and they they hint at this with people commenting on it but if you think a little bit farther into it you realize this is horrifying (laughs) this is really dark well sir i calculate he gains about 18 inches to bounce and uh, your opinion is about seven o'clock tonight he's going to be in serious trouble what happens when he gets high enough that he doesn't have enough oxygen? <laughs> What's uh, happening with the rate of pressure change this man is going through? The man, <laughs> this man is going to wind up with the bends on uh, without having gone diving. Oh my word! This gets creepy. When, if, once again, if you apply for, if you apply mental energy at Flubber, it will put more mental energy back into you. <laughs> Don't overthink Flubber; it will hurt you. <laughs> but it is enough of a plot that it really does it does pull you through and it's got enough twists uh another character in this is uh tommy kirk he was like the the lead in an old yeller and other disney movies but he plays uh, a student who's the son of the evil rich guy who and we get to see his divided loyalties there's a little bit of me that's wondering it that kind of makes me want to think he was one of the people on the board in the computer war tennis shoes, with how much he becomes a, a defender of, of Medfield by the end. You're right. I mean, I could see that, except for the fact that it's less than 10 years later. Oh, yeah, that Isn't, hurts again. Doesn't that change so much? I could have, if you told me, yeah, it's obviously the computer war tennis shoes takes place 20 years later. Then yeah, young, um, uh, the, the, the young guy that Tommy Kirk played could be on the board by that time. But it's only eight years. That's wait, crazy. Wait a minute. Is part of the reason why the buildings and all the structures are so badly constructed that they lead to the problems in the computer war tennis shoes? But because they were rapidly being rebuilt on the cheap due to the damage that Brainerd was causing on the regular? That may be. That would explain a lot. My goodness, this movie is fixing plot holes in other movies. And most and most colleges will have some kind of provision that they get a cut of the uh, any uh, income from things that are patented based on work that their professors do um, as part of their work at the university. Now, maybe that's why Brainerd is doing all of his interesting stuff on his own time in his home laboratory. Maybe that's a, a loophole. Maybe he's smarter oh. than we think, and he's... Getting all that uh, that that flubber cheddar for himself. He actually does have a very very diligent assistant working for him. Uh, I don't remember her name, but she was apparently taking care of his house and trying to remind him of stuff. Oh, I think she was like his housekeeper. Yeah, his, his housekeeper landlady. was on top of stuff. Yes. 
Also knew knew well enough to like when to leave the building and not get caught in the collateral. <laughs> and she kept trying to get him to his wedding and and didn't manage to. There was a little bit of uh because then she's your problem and not my problem. To the <laughs> oh, right. entirety of the setup yes. there. There's a little bit of a please for the love of everything. Find someone so I don't have to clean up after you. <laughs> <laughs> you do not pay me enough for this. <laughs> but I mean that's the thing we've kind of covered a lot of the story here he he finally realizes he's messed up third time was the failure not the charm in this one right and he's also created this large this great success for himself and he trades in the utility of his of his field success to win back the person he loves and in many ways he doesn't win her back but he finally invests her in interest and interests her in the thing he succeeded at enough that they come together as the pair they seem to have been before to work things out in the end. Yeah, I get the impression that the the reasons he missed the first two weddings wasn't for anything as groundbreaking or interesting as Flubber. And while, you know, when he chose to start doing experiments when his he had five minutes to get to his own wedding— he didn't know he was going to create Flubber. She kind of recognized the value of what he had done. And you're right. She gets interested enough in it. She is smart enough to realize how amazing this is. And uh, and yeah, she gets caught up in it in the same way that he did. So you can see how they are similar in that way. She has a lot more agency in this story than the initial premise would make you think, the initial setups, because she is honestly the thinker of the pair in some ways, making some of the plans assessing the room she is smart with him on a level that other characters would not be presented in such a movie and she is the one who chooses to who to go back to and is in a very modern way not a prize to be won in that sense and i definitely had the impression that her other suitor this language professor saw her in that way saw her as a prize to be won something to be claimed something to congratulate himself about, and wasn't that interested in her. And she knew that. She could tell that a mile away. And that's why she had no particular interest in this other professor. And when she did agree to go out with this other professor after she broke their engagement because Brainerd had missed their third scheduled wedding, it wasn't because she was genuinely interested in this other guy. It's because she wanted to do something other than put up with Brainerd yet again. And let him think he can continue to get away with this. But yeah, they would have been a terrible match because he didn't see, the other guy did not see her for everything she was. Whereas Brainerd, even though being the absent-minded professor, he didn't always act upon it appropriately, he knew how amazing she was. Here's the absent-minded, but respectful professor. Right. And... And enough other people kind of saw that they could be good together if he ever got his act together. And one of the fun minor characters in this is the um, uh, the minister, oh, who's yes. now been scheduled for, you know, as the movie begins, this is the third time he's been scheduled to marry them, and they've had to call it off the three times after this first scene. Uh, and he is just, he's kind of resigned and yet always has an amusing comment about the fact that this wedding never seems to happen. 
Yeah, it, it's almost like this is this is entertaining to him at some point at this point. And, you know, it won't be too much of a spoiler for us to say that at the end of the movie, they do get married. Yeah. And it's the same minister. And he says, you know, though it, it is with some sense of accomplishment that I pronounce you man and wife. Yes. <laughs> like this is this is this is a feather in my own cap as well. <laughs> so it does come full circle in that way. And by the time we get to the end of it, it's a it's a sappy Disney movie, but I care about these characters, and I'm glad to see that things are uh, are, are working out for them in the in the context of this weird comedy world. Absolutely, there was less flubber representation at their wedding, which I appreciated too. Yeah, by that time they had uh, they had flown from Medfield to Washington D.C. We don't know how far that is, but it's some no. distance. Yeah, and they. Um, and being an unidentified aircraft in uh, in airspace near the Pentagon, they are buzzed by a um, uh, a flight of Air Force fighter jets, and eventually they put down somewhere near the uh, the Pentagon. I think they well, also the- do dodge the Air Force fighter jets in a cloud, confuse the military, <laughs> and make multiple circlings around the White House before actually landing. They kind of like put everyone into a stalemate in the United States government for a little while. Oh, that's it. It was the, they land on the white house lawn eventually, don't they? Yes. <laughs> I did appreciate the, we land the model T on the white house lawn and men jump out from every bush around us to surround <laughs> this vehicle. That's, it's like, that was actually really well put. Yeah. Well shown. And the fact that immediately like all these people surround, and then it's like a member of every single armed forces rushing the car, <laughs> car saying like, sign up with us, please. <laughs> so um and so i don't know if he sold flubber and now he's a zillionaire or he just gave it to the united states government as a patriot or what oh uh, yeah I, i'm not gonna say anything there because that'll move into our ending stuff and we're almost right. there but almost anything else we wanted to discuss about the movie itself before we get there i don't know i think we're there i think that we've um we've kind of covered the movie it's a basic Disney outline and that there's not that much depth to every single bit of it. And yet it all comes together somehow as a little bit more than the, the sum of its parts. It, it's wholesomely simple. This is a, this is a good piece of toast movie. It's right. It's something you'll find with it, it. It's not something spectacular, but sometimes it's really the thing you need. It's, it's nice. It's basic in that sense. He, the, the story about how I first watched this tells you a lot about this movie. Oh boy. I was in like seventh grade in parochial school, <laughs> and we're called down to an assembly. Assemblies were not that uncommon, uh, but this was not like a scheduled assembly we knew about. It wasn't that you know some particular class was giving their 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 class play at the monthly assembly. We didn't know what was going on. The gym slash gym uh, uh, auditorium room was set up with chairs for the whole student body, all eight grades of us. And there was a movie projector in the middle aisle and a movie screen. And this was a day or two before a holiday break. And the principal had decided as a special treat, they were going to show a movie for the whole school. Oh, wow. And they showed the absent-minded professor. (gasps) And that's how I got to see this movie. And it it was a weird experience. And yet it was the perfect movie for an unexpected treat of getting to see a disney movie at school when you're in somewhere between fifth and seventh grade i don't know exactly when it was that's pretty awesome that's a really fun little story it was and it was it was just the right movie for that 
And it was the kind of movie you could imagine a uh, a suburban parochial school choosing as, yeah, this is a fun movie, it's a Disney movie, and we'll show this to the kids. I like that. So that kind of leads us into the, the, uh, the first of our, our ending questions, screen or no screen? Yeah, screen or no screen. I think, I think you're... Yeah. Your school chose for us on that. That this is a screen, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna agree with my uh, my parochial school principal and say screen. It's a and fun it, movie. It's on Disney Plus, just like the computer wore tennis shoes is. That's how we got to see it uh, mm. this week. Uh, so yeah, go ahead and watch it. It's it's a fun movie. It's a light movie. It's uh, it's from another time, and it's really enjoyable. Honestly, I'm gonna say I have seen two thirds of its reboot. I liked this one better. Oh, I'm not too surprised. Yeah. I'm not too surprised. But that's a screen from both of us, huh? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, then our question is, um, revive, reboot, or rest in peace? And they did do a reboot, but they didn't title it The Absent-Minded Professor. They titled it Flubber. And that tells you probably all you need to know about this reboot and what its focus was. Yeah. It was about the special effects and how much goofy goofiness. And, I, like, there was, like, a sentient blob of Flubber as yeah, part th- of the mascot of it all. and. Yeah, know. the movie Flubber is a whole different animal. It starred know? Robin Williams, which also tells you a lot about that, in terms mm-hmm. of what kind of character this was, Robin Williams versus Fred McMurray. This was this was 1997 Tech Demo, starring Robin Re- Williams in that <laughs> reboot. And, I mean, Robin Williams, great actor, not a good movie for him, in my opinion. And now, then they did this, but... And they're all, of course, there have been revivals in our our vocabulary as well, because there was a couple of years later, Son of Flubber, uh-huh. also starring Fred McMurray. I have not seen Son of Flubber. Oh. If that's available, we should watch that. That might be an interesting episode for us to do, a movie that you have not seen. Yeah. And then, but which is not new. I mean, our, our Out of Bounds episodes on the, the Patreon are sometimes like that, but... Um, but this one is so connected to, it's a revival of, sequel to, one of the movies we have watched. That would be interesting. I'll have to see about that. And then, of course, there are the Medfield College movies that, that begin eight years later with uh, The Computer Wore Tennis Shoes. I think it's still up in the air, whether those are it's in the same continuity as The Absent-Minded Professor. But I like to think they are. I'd like to think that it's not just because, that they didn't just use the name because they had the props. I'd like right. to think it's because it is a continuation. But if they were making a movie today, in 2020, or if, 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 if it were possible, if they ha- were thinking about making a movie today, in 2020, would you say that you would like to see a revival, a reboot, or you would rather they just let it rest in peace and not remake or, or do anything more with The Absent-Minded Professor? I want a secret revival. Ooh. I want something in our whole idea of the medfield story i want them to work with that i want them to go somewhere and with it but i think that the original container the the black charred clamp topped container full of the original batch of flubber is a MacGuffin hidden under the school and nicholas cage <laughs> finds it encased in concrete as they're doing uh, re- renovations on the Medfield College campus. It's got to be Nicolas Cage. I don't know why, but it does. I, I think he's a professor. I think he's one of the professors at this version of, of Medfield who is trying to keep oh. these students who realize that it's down, I like it. who like find it down there. But 
there's God. I want this to be one of the buried secrets of Medfield. Part of whatever the mystery is as to why this thing that was supposed to revolutionize the world never actually was released then. Ooh. And like then there's all this instance where there was this this these kids who wound up with supercomputers and invisibility and super strength and all these other things, and it was never talked about. There's these constant cover-ups at Medfield. What's going on? And you know, we want the our, we want our our, our group of, of fucky Disney investigator kids who hunt down the secrets of their school and find out what's going on here. But give us the MacGuffins and the items and such, and this has to be one of them. That's why I'm calling it a secret revival. It's canon, but you don't know that until the the mid or the two-thirds twist. That's what I'm looking for. Oh, man, this sounds so cool. I love it. It's, it's a dark and creepy secret revival of Medfield College, and especially the, uh, the absent-minded professor. And in an era of That's Disney cool. Plus, where they can then point you to go watch the old movies, it's perfect that for That would be so cool. I am so down with that. I love this idea. I wasn't sure what my answer was going to be, but now it's obviously we've got to make the the dark secret revival. And, and, and I just am loving the whole the idea of the, the Medfield continuity. And I'm, I want that. Yes. Give it. Give more of this to me. I'm going to have to watch every other movie that they ever set there, even if it's not for the podcast, because yes. That sounds terrific. Well, I think we've got our answer. I think we do. We've uh, definitely a screen, and please, Disney, give us the dark remake. Uh, excuse me, the dark revival. I don't know if I have anything more to say. So thank you very much for listening and for downloading. Not necessarily in that order. That would be difficult. And thank you for supporting the show, either by listening, by telling your friends about it, by supporting us on Patreon. We appreciate every every bit of that. Or buying merch at our store. That's true. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. In the meantime, Ian, where can people find you? I can be found online as Item Crafting on Twitter or Item Crafting Live on Twitch. And you can find me online at www.matthewfporter.com, and that will have links to anything else I'm doing, including a link to my Twitter account, which is at by Matthew Porter. And you can find the podcast at immproject.com. There you'll find a link to the contact page where you can find us and let us know uh, what movies were you shown by the principal at your parochial school uh, unexpectedly. And anything else that you want to talk about from media, from from the distant past or from the present, uh, you'll also find links to our Discord, to our Patreon, and to our merchandise store. And again, thank you for supporting. We'll be back soon. In the meantime, go find something new to watch.